You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to continue our series where we take a look at NFC contenders. And this week, we're going to look at the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to speak to Kenneth Arthur, managing editor of the SB Nation Rams site, Turf Show Times. And, uh, I will admit, a couple of weeks ago when I gave my hierarchy, my list of the top teams in the conference, I had the Rams as a potential playoff team. As I've done more, re- I, I think I put that out before I did enough research. As I've been doing more research, I may have to tweak my list. And I'll talk to Kenneth about that in just a second to, to see if he feels the same way. Also, we'll talk about some of the Eagles breakthrough defenders that could emerge this year and Dallas Goddard heard from opponents on the tush push this year, and we'll talk about what they had to say coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But before we get into all of that, I did just want to talk about an article that was in Bleeding Green Nation this week. Alexis Chasson wrote about the Eagles' odds to win the Super Bowl. They've gotten better after the NFL draft. The Eagles right now are at plus 750. In late March, that number was plus 850. They opened at plus 1,000, so they've moved quite a bit uh, since the since the draft, and that makes a lot of sense. Most people believe the Eagles had one of the best, if not the best, draft in the NFL as a Super Bowl team coming off uh, winning the NFC Championship, you don't generally get a top 10 draft pick the following year after that. And the Eagles swung for the fences with a guy in Jalen Carter, who they hope will at least maybe produce three quarters of what Javon Hargrave gave you last year, which will get you close to a Pro Bowl type player. Really, all Carter has to do is just go after the quarterback. That's all they're really expecting him to do. And they've they've just got waves of pass rushers that they can send at the quarterback, just like last year. So uh, there, there is a sense that guys like you know Nolan Smith and, and some of the other folks that they drafted will be productive here in 2023, that they'll get more from this rookie class than they got from last year's rookie class Last year, they didn't need to get a whole lot from last year's rookie class because they brought in so many guys from the outside. But those 2022 guys are going to be taking a big step forward. We're going to talk about a couple of those guys on defense in just a second. And they're going to need to make more of an impact here in 2023 as well as the rookie class. But they seem to have brought in a ton of talent in order to do that. It's not so much that the Eagles are at number three right now overall because you can understand the Kansas City Chiefs being the favorites. They won two of the of the last three Super Bowls. They are, understandably, with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, widely considered to be the best team in the NFL. I, and I, I wouldn't dispute that in any way, shape, or form. But the fact that the San Francisco 49ers are at number two, I realize it's just a reflection of where the public is on these teams, how the public views these teams. But I just find it hard to understand how the 49ers, with so many question marks at the most important position on the field, the quarterback, how they can be ahead of an Eagles team 
that soundly beat them, whether or not Brock Purdy got hurt in the NFC Championship game or not, they, they were well on their way to being physically dominated on both sides of the line in that game. And I realized when Purdy went out, it was just seven, it was like seven to seven, I, 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 or seven nothing. Uh, I, I get that. But the 49ers were not winning that game. It became pretty clear that even with Purdy in there, the Eagles were dominating that game, even if it didn't resemble so on the scoreboard. You look at the rosters outside of quarterback, yes, they're very close. You you could even make the argument the 49ers have a better overall roster outside of the quarterback than the Eagles. But the Eagles have the best quarterback in the conference. They might ha- He might be the second best quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. If you wanted to argue that Joe Burrow should be ahead, I would I would understand that. You could make an argument for Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, in a way, I suppose. I, I wouldn't put those two ahead of Jalen Hurts personally. but And I think if you had the Cincinnati Bengals maybe as the number two team ahead of the Eagles, that would make sense. The Bengals went to the AFC Championship game last year. They lost the Super Bowl the year before that. Joe Burrow has been to the big game. You can understand you could understand if more people gave the Bengals a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Eagles, and I, I would not argue with that at all. But the 49ers have a huge question mark at quarterback, as we've talked about ad nauseum. We we you know we had Rob Stats Guerrera on the po- on the podcast a few weeks ago where he essentially said he has no idea what the quarterback situation is gonna look like. We don't they don't know they don't know if Brock Purdy is gonna be ready for the start of the regular season. And even if he is how is anybody convinced for sure that he can replicate what he did in the last seven games of the season last year? Those uh, the two playoff games where they um, where they went seven and zero before losing in the NFC Championship game. How, how can anybody know that for sure? Remember, he was a seventh round pick. It seemed like lightning in a bottle when it was happening. Can it can it happen again? Maybe it can. Maybe Brock Purdy really is that good. But if it, if he can't replicate that, then they turn to Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is completely unproven. He has not been able to stay healthy. I think there's so much volatility at the quarterback position. There's a chance it all works out for the 49ers, no doubt about it. There's a chance if Brock Purdy comes back and he builds off of last year and he becomes one of the really good quarterbacks in the league, then yes, the 49ers, I think you could make the argument would be a better team than the Eagles and you could have them at number two in front of Philadelphia. But until that happens, if and until that happens, I don't see how the 49ers should be favored to win the Super Bowl ahead of the Eagles. So they have the Chiefs and the 49ers ahead of Philadelphia, followed by the Bills at number four and the Bengals at number five. Again, I would have the Bengals in front of the Bills for sure. Uh, as far as the NFC East goes, uh, they have uh, the Cowboys at uh, plus 1,400 behind the Eagles with the Giants at plus 4,000 and the Commanders, the long shots at plus 6,000. So I think that's, you know, I don't I don't gamble, <laughs> but, you know, it seems as though uh, I think maybe we're selling the Eagles a little tiny bit short here, a little tiny bit short. I certainly wouldn't put that money on the 49ers with, with the second best odds uh, to win the title. I did want to mention that a couple of Eagles all-time greats moved a step closer to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the Hall of Fame Seniors Committee named 31 semifinalists for the class of 2024, and they included offensive defensive tackle Al Wistert and linebacker Maxi Bon. Both of them won titles while playing for the Eagles. Um, 
the Pro Football's uh, Pro Football Hall's uh, 12-person seniors committee uh, will uh, take down this list of 31 and get it down to 12. Um, and those those uh, winners will be announced in a couple of weeks. So um, that won't be the final. Uh, then that's going they're going to meet in mid-August and they'll pick up to three players. So again, the odds are still kind of long here. Both these guys are already in the Eagles Hall of Fame, uh, but uh, it, it certainly looks like. Um, these two guys are at least uh, getting a shot to get back into to get into the NFL Hall of Fame. So uh, a cool thing to see a couple of former Eagles greats from the the glory runs of uh, of years long past uh, are getting are getting some publicity. Last thing before we get to our interview with Kenneth here, Dallas Goddard did an interview this week with Pro Football Talk and was talking about the tush push, the the quarterback sneak move that uh, the Eagles mastered last year, basically turning any third and one or fourth and one into an automatic first down. And he claimed that defenses called the Eagles soft and told them to run a real play whenever they ran their quarterback sneak. And I talked a little bit about this with Ed Valentine on his podcast, Valentine's Views, this week. And he hates it, of course, because as a Giants fan, he was victim to it. And I understand why other teams hate it because they were victims of it. But it's it's really ridiculous because anybody could do this. Right. And anybody and he was on actually, no. So uh, so Goddard was on pardon my take and was asked about the reactions of, of opponents. And he said defenses used to get on them all the time. Called us like, well, I can't say the one word that they used to call them. Uh, you're soft, run a real play. And he was his response was don't get it to third and one. Don't get it to fourth and one. Keep them out of those uh, those downs and distances and, and they won't run the play. Here's the problem. People call it an ugly play that it's not football it's the it's the it's essential football you've got you've got one group of guys leaning up, lining up against another group of guys to gain a yard that's what football's all about gaining yards gaining territory doing it any way you can in a legal way of course and you've got rules set in place in order to make sure it's legal there's nothing the eagles are doing that that is illegal right now and i know that was one of the things they wanted to explore should they make it illegal there was a time you could not push a player forward to help him gain momentum whether it was downfield when a receiver is struggling to continue forward momentum and a defender tries to hold him up you couldn't have another player come in from 10 yards away and push the pile that much further you just you couldn't do that as I think it was about 10 years ago, they they changed that rule. And with this play, it is a football play because as we saw the Eagles do in the NFC Divisional game against the Giants, you can run other plays on this. You can line up in that formation and then you can fool the other team and pitch it out to a running back who was, it looked like was going to push the quarterback, but uh, and then can run, run on the right edge for like a 15-yard gain. You can run different football plays out of that play. And the reason why people are upset at the Eagles is because the Eagles have a unique advantage here. They have one of the best lines in football, maybe the best offensive line in football with some huge dudes that just pave the way. And you have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who is more powerful as a runner than perhaps any other quarterback in the league. Now, he's not the best runner in the league. You've got some other guys out there who are better runners. Um, you know, Justin Fields, I think is a, you could certainly say is a better runner. Lamar Jackson is probably still a more dynamic runner than Jalen Hurts, but no one is more powerful. You know, we, Jalen Hurts' deadlifting uh, prowess is legendary. And the reason he is so successful at this is because he can help move the pile on his own. He's just a big guy to try and bring down from the from the waist down he's got tree trunks for legs and it's he has a unique advantage that somebody like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott the, they they don't have 
that kind of raw physicality that hurts us. And so that's why it works all the time, because the Eagles have the personnel to do it. Other teams don't have that personnel, so they can't do it. But it's something that everyone could do if they wanted to. I think we're going to see more teams do it this year. We should see more teams do it this year. Take advantage of what the Eagles are doing. And no Eagles fan should ever complain about it. But you, you, you just, you, it's sour grapes, right? This is, this is one of those things where you get beat by it, so you hate it. And you call it sour grapes. And I'm not saying it is, as an Eagles fan, we would be any different if, say, the Cowboys were really great at this play and Dak Prescott was doing this to us, you know, three times a game, twice a year. It would be incredibly frustrating, but that's not how life is right now. The Eagles are the ones benefiting from this play and these new rules about pushing players forward, and I do not think the play should ever go away. It is a football play. You can do unique unique things off of it, and teams better learn how to stop it this year because the Eagles are going to run it again and again and again and again, and it's one play. Maybe they run it three times a game, four times a game out of... 40, 50, 60 offensive plays, depending on how many points you're scoring, how many how many plays you're running. I mean, it's not like they're doing this the whole game. It's not like they're doing like the, the wishbone offense, you know, for, for 40 plays a game, which is just incredibly painful to watch. You know, it's, 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 it's not like their whole offense is designed around this play. It's, it's one play for short yardage. Keep them out of short yardage and they won't do it. It's, it's really, really that simple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, continuing our series, taking a look at all of the teams in the NFC that could contend for the conference title and challenge the Eagles, knock them off their top spot. We'll be talking with Kenneth Arthur now, managing editor for Turf Show Times. That's the Rams SB Nation site. You can follow the site on Twitter at Turf Show Times. Kenneth, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm interested to talk about the Rams with uh, somebody else because... Especially somebody who would even put them in the category of NFC contenders because I've been just thrown for a loop, I guess, with how some people talk about the Rams in their current state. So it'll be interesting to hear what you think of the Rams. Well, I'll tell you a little spoiler alert. At the la- last week, and I did a pot, and I wrote an article for Bleeding Green Nation this week. I-, I have the Rams inside the playoff picture, and I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm kind of still thinking and waxing on the Super Bowl win from two seasons ago. But I think we we think about the Rams, and I know they had a down year last year. And I want to talk to you about, you know, get your thoughts on what actually happened last year. Um, and I, it sounds like it was just injuries as much as, as anything else. But, you know, this team was the Super Bowl champion two years ago. I mean, they were expected to be a contender last year. And I know it was a brutal season. It was, you know, losing your quarterback and, and having some other injuries in some some key places. And I know this offseason, there were they, the Rams were extremely limited in what they can could do, especially in free agency. But all that being said, there's still talent on the Rams. And there's always a couple teams that fall short the year before that end up making the playoffs. And if you believe in a Matthew Stafford bounce back year, then I think the Rams are as good a team as any in a division that you know, I think the 49ers are far and away the best team in that division, but everybody else, I think, can can 
be a, a wild card team in, in that division outside the Cardinals. So, you know, what? just give me your thoughts on what happened last year. Let's just start there. Why was 2022 such a disaster in the year after winning the Super Bowl? I think there are a, a number of things that definitely go into that equation. I went into the season thinking that the Rams could repeat, uh, at least contend to, re to repeat. We know how difficult it is to actually repeat, but I thought for sure, given the state of the conference and the opportunity there where you were looking at a team that had Matthew Stafford as as when he's healthy, a top three quarterback in the NFC, or Cooper Cup coming off of Offensive Player of the Year, and of course Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the addition of Bobby Wagner. And you look at that and, and you think, yeah, this is a team that should be able to win at least nine or ten games. And then a lot of people do focus on the injuries, but even before the Rams started shutting people down in the second half of the year, they were one of the worst offenses in the NFL just not having that same amount of explosiveness, chemistry, couldn't protect Matthew Stafford. The Rams set a modern NFL record for offensive line combinations and injuries. And for me, I don't even really know to what degree Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald were actually injured and how much they actually couldn't play versus the team just going, what are we doing? Let's try and have these players who are very expensive and over 30 and we can't protect Stafford. You know, he had a concussion scare once or twice during the season and he's uh, 34 now. And there were always some elements of, you know, being worried about Matthew Stafford's health and age and arm strength and all of these factors combined where I just don't know how much those guys because I haven't heard anybody this year really express any concern about any of those guys coming back from injury other than you know some people just talking about uh, Matthew Stafford which is just an annual concern but nobody sure. goes oh my god Cooper Cup is he going to be healthy I think everybody just kind of accepted that the team already was bad um, and just said let's not play any more competitive football <laughs> if we don't have to see what Baker Mayfield can do which is an experiment that I'll never forget and I don't know if anyone will ever remember uh, and <laughs> yeah I think you know off they, they lost offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell who went to the Vikings and they went 13 and 4 and Justin Jefferson took Cooper Cup's offensive player of the year award and uh, then they replaced him with Liam Cohen who is not an NFL <laughs> offensive coordinator you know went, went back to Kentucky after the the season where he was before that and I think there were just a lot of elements of okay you've got a mid-level defense and an offense that just can't keep up and maybe Stafford is tired and 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 maybe you know Cooper Cup was still doing his thing but you know yes there were offensive line injuries probably questionable coaching decisions and just just a lot of players starting that you know once you stripped away the top three or four players you would go I don't know how much different this team is than the Arizona Cardinals or mm. the Indianapolis Colts you know so that's what the the Rams really have to do is fill in those those gaps of talent where they're maybe starting you know bottom five bottom ten players at their positions and I, I just don't know if they've done that yet 
Well, you, let's take a look at the at the off season. And as I mentioned, they they really were not able to do anything in free agency. Uh, they signed center Coleman Shelton, and that was really the only significant signing that they made. Um, talk about some of the losses that this team had. In I, I know there there is they could have gone the route of restructuring contracts and trying to add more pieces here this offseason, but they chose not to do that. They, they chose to just kind of stand pat and take some swings in the 2023 draft. They didn't have a first-round pick. We'll get to the draft in, in just a second, but they made a lot of picks. They have all their picks for, for 2024, and so after a couple of years of, uh, of really mortgaging the future a little bit, it seems as though 2023, the, the, the mortgage could be due this year. Um, is the, What do you see, I guess, as the... What has been the biggest addition? Has there been any significant addition that's come aboard to kind of, as you said, help elevate the the talent level in free agency or via trade? Maybe offensive coordinator Michael Floor. I don't know. It's uh, you <laughs> yeah. know uh, that's maybe one element where you're thinking. I guess he could try and be better than Liam Cohen. Uh, he's a guy that came from the Jets, was fired. Uh, by the Jets, obviously connected to um, the whole Shanahan and his brother Matt Lafleur and all that kind of stuff, and so maybe that'll be some element of it. But you know, I would I would actually ask you just to you know not to put you on the spot. You may be looking at a roster already, but mm. if I were to say to you, who are the top three players on the Rams defense besides Aaron Donald? What would you say? No, I wouldn't be able to get without look without having the depth chart in front of me. Uh, there's there's because you're right. They they lost Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know they they lost uh, 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 the linebackers just flew right out of my head. They but, cut Bobby uh, Wagner. They cut Leonard Bobby Floyd, Wagner. Thank they you. Traded Jalen yeah. Ramsey. I mean, literally, when you talk about the team that won the Super Bowl, the only two players that have that are still on the roster from the defense are Aaron Donald and safety Jordan Fuller, who missed. Uh, all but three games mm. last year and who may just be a, a guy, you know, uh, just n- nothing there uh, beyond just like, yeah, he can fill that role technically, which is sort of what the Rams have had a safety with guys like Taylor Rapp and Nick Scott. But even those guys left in free agency, um, they've they've left uh, parted with Ashawn Robinson, Greg Gaines, Von Miller. If we're looking back at the Super Bowl team, I mean, Every Aaron Donald has played more snaps than every other player on the defense combined, and it might be twice as many snaps. Uh, it's that far of a gap between him and everybody else on the defense. So, frankly, I don't even really understand what the Rams are going to do if they go into this season with their top three stars. Like, you can't protect Matthew Stafford. Aaron Donald is playing on the worst defense of his career, and he's 32, 32, 32, 33 soon. And and what is he going to do? Carry on the burden of of a defense that is starting rookies and first year players, and not even just rookies. The Rams didn't have a first round pick. They didn't pick a defensive player in the second round. You know, they're they're basically starting two uh, a rookie edge rusher from the third round named Byron Young, uh, Michael Hoyt, a former undrafted free agent on the other side. Their inside linebackers are Ernest Jones, a third round pick from a couple of years ago, who was essentially benched last year. Uh, Christian Roseboom, who's never started. Their secondary is Kobe Durant, Darian Kendrick, Robert Rochelle, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, a sixth round rookie. Uh, who is cousins with uh, Ladanian for anyone out there interested. Uh, and safety is Jordan Fuller. And 
maybe a guy named Russ Yeast, a seventh-round pick last year. So, so when I look at the Rams, and you, you're right, they didn't do any real additions. They've added Akello Witherspoon, uh, who is their second-most experienced player on the on the defense by far, um, and and it's just sort of like. I don't know how the Rams are going to put Donald in that position where it's like when you play against the Eagles, well, what is the job? You know, you have the, the best offensive line in football as is. Well, what's, what, what, what are the Rams going to do? What are the Rams going to do <laughs> when you've got three guys on the one threat on the entire defense? And it's, you know, it's just, it's just so wild for me to put my head around that part of it. Offensively, uh, they've added Demarcus Robinson at wide receiver, um, Tyler Johnson, who used to be on the Bucks. if anyone remembers him. It's <laughs> very – they brought back Sony Michelle at running back, but it's very much like a bottom five offensive line. I don't know how Matthew Stafford plays with that. He's got Cooper Cup, and then the receiver's room could be, after that, you know, one of the worst in the NFL. We just don't know, you know, so i got to put him out there and find out. But, yeah, they haven't added anybody that I would even feel like talking about other than just to say, like, yeah, they, they had to, like, pay that bill or, or whatever, and, and they didn't restructure contracts. But, yeah, that would have been crazy. That would have been crazy to do mm-hmm. to, to open up 10 or $15 million dollars commit even harder to your 34 35 year old stars in the 2024 and 2025 seasons by doing so just to bring in you know another Allen robinson who was a disaster from last year but just to bring in you know some mid-level or i don't even care if it's then i don't even care if they had brought in the best free agent in the nfl i don't even care if they had you know brought in roquan smith or or anybody because they just don't have enough to compete in my opinion uh, this you're you're making me regret uh, <laughs> taking where I had the Rams ranked in my rankings because it is a dire picture. I think I just had the uh, the image of those three stars in in my mind and uh, kind of the, them being able to fill in the gap with some of the you know the many draft picks that that they made during the course of this year. But you mentioned like the wisdom of taking these three stars and putting them in this roster, exposing Matthew Stafford behind a, a terrible offensive line, putting Aaron Donald in the midst of a, a defense that might be one of the most inexperienced defenses in the league uh, and Cooper Cup at, at wide receiver maybe you know who knows if his you said maybe it's he wasn't really even all that hurt last year and they just didn't want to expose him but what are the chances that one two or all three of these guys is dealt before the start of the season I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility for teams to move star players before the start of training camp and just fully lean in on the rebuild that it seems like they know they have to do anyway well I'll say that you know as far back as last September, I was I wrote, I don't think that Jalen Ramsey is going to be here next year. You know, you could just look at the contract. You could look at the situation. You could look at the player and the person. And I just felt like Jalen Ramsey is such an obvious trade candidate in 2023, especially if the Rams, you know, don't win the Super Bowl or make the playoffs or whatever. Like, to me, that was such an obvious move, and nobody else was really acknowledging it. And then, like, as soon as – the Rams go five and 12, which somehow I think just gets glossed over by a lot of people, you know, when they say, well, I don't think that the Rams could be that bad because they just, their coaching is too good. You're just talking about one guy really, which is Sean McVay, who is a great coach, you know, maybe what, you know, maybe one of the top five, just individually head coaches in the NFL. That's fine. But 
it was still went five and twelve last year, and, and there's still like so many coaching changes that have happened in the last couple of years. We don't know how good a lot of these assistants are. So I, I went into the offseason just going, okay, well, how do the Rams approach this? They cut Bobby Wagner. They cut Leonard Floyd. They trade Jalen Ramsey. They, they start making all these moves, none of which imply improvement. And, and they could say, well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's addition by subtraction. Well, you know, there, it's not when people say there's nowhere to go but up, that's not exactly true. You could go sideways, right? Like you could just be uh, as bad as you were last year. So I just don't understand why the Rams would put those players at risk this season uh, unless maybe they do just feel very confident early on in training camp or what they've seen in the offseason workouts, which, by the way, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup haven't basically shown up at all. Nobody talks about that. You know, Aaron Donald was given an excused absence for mandatory minicamp uh and and that's fine he can do whatever he wants he's Aaron Donald uh that's okay but I'm also thinking to myself man if there's one element you want next to these inexperienced players it's the best player on your roster (laughs) does it really seem like Aaron Donald he doesn't he's making 35 million dollars but he doesn't seem to want to take on the responsibility to 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 teach anyone else or to lead by example this is the hardest work you know I just wrote an article about Brad Holmes, who came out of the Rams front office, is now the GM of the Lions, and he was talking about his part in drafting Aaron Donald in 2014, which is that he went and scouted him at Pitt and saw, and was told by the defensive coordinator, just like, just show up 30 minutes early to practice. You'll see what I'm talking about. And he shows up 30 minutes early, and Aaron Donald is, he's been ready to go all morning. He's just waiting for practice. He's like, why can't we get started? You know, this is the, it was that work ethic that, that really yeah. drives Aaron Donald to be who he is. And he's not showing up, and that's fine, but I also think we can question why that is. And if Cooper Cup's not out there when it's like, you're, it's, I don't think it's just injury you know, related and, and you want to protect mm-hmm. everybody and all that. It's practice and you don't have these, these new receivers and these inexperienced players and this element of Cooper Cup. And, and then, like I said, I just don't know how you put Matthew Stafford out there when your left tackle, like, again, I could talk to somebody who lives, breathes, and dies football and say, tell me who the Rams' left tackle is. And, and nobody could do it. Uh, you know, it could be Joseph Nopum, but he's probably behind A.J. Jackson. And, you know, both of those guys could be, you know, one of the worst left tackles in the NFL if they don't show a lot of improvement and get experience. And so, yes, I think it's a possibility that the Rams could trade one or any of these players before the season, because when you really get down to it, it's like, if you had even the possibility of trading them before the deadline, which I think has to be a possibility, how long are you going to put those guys at risk of mm-hmm. getting injured? Because if Matthew Stafford gets injured and his career is over, you have to pay him. You have to pay him his injury guarantee. You have to pay him next year. You have to do all of these financial commitments to him. Aaron Donald is the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL, and if he gets injured, uh, you have to pay him next year. And Cooper Cup, it, he has on a three-year, $80 million extension that they signed last year, and if he gets injured, you have to pay him. So I, I really think that when you look at the fact that the Rams could be in rebuilding mode, They've got their first-round pick next year for the first time since 2016. Mm. And you think, okay, 
maybe this is the opportunity to get one an extra first couple extra seconds this that and the other thing start saving some cap space and uh trying to be the best version of the rams possible next year i think it is a possibility but nobody is really willing to go full commitment to that Mm -hmm. idea yet all right so last question for you here kenneth what's best case scenario for the rams in 2023 in your mind I guess that, you know, there's a best case scenario where the Rams go, you know, nine and eight or something like that. And I was running over sort of the schedule in my head last night, just thinking about teams that the Rams uh, could be competitive against, obviously in a division with the Cardinals that that those could be two teams that are, you know, competing for the number one pick. I, I really think so. Um, so that's a possible two wins for the Rams right there. You know, if they split uh, with either the Seahawks or the 49ers, maybe that's a third, fourth win, something like that. And then I think, you know, you could kind of go through, you know, the Washington Commanders, the New York Giants, the Cleveland Browns, just all depending on how good or bad these teams are going to be next year. Uh, maybe they'll be better, maybe they'll be worse. You know, the Colts, um, overall, I think nine wins is probably a ceiling, and that's if the Rams win a bunch of close games. Uh, I would say that's maybe somewhere in the vicinity of the possibilities. Uh, other than that, you know, I think kind of a baseline for me would be sort of a six and 11 season and then you can go two wins over or two wins under i always have like a two win swing on whatever my my feeling is so until we get into camp because i don't know how you predict the rams at all nobody knows anything about any of these players with maybe five exceptions so (laughs) we'll see what happens you know i guess another thing that your your listeners may be interested in maybe is just sort of who has stood out i guess so far because uh the rams they made 14 draft picks only mm-hmm. um you know not a lot of early draft picks you know no first round picks one second round pick a lot of day 3 picks but out of those puka nakua uh, a wide receiver picked in the 5th round out of BYU has been called probably the best rookie so far um for the rams that is uh so mm-hmm. he's a guy who you know Definitely fell to the fifth round for for some reasons, but could be someone who is starting as soon as his rookie campaign and uh, competing with Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, and Ben Skoranek for for those targets next to Cooper Cup. Um, Steve Avila was the Rams' first, uh, for their second round pick, their first pick, and he's a guard. Maybe he could play center, uh, but mostly just probably going to be the left guard. And Kobe Turner, a defensive tackle, picked in the third round, um, is another guy who Sean McVay has has been shouting out as a standout so far. So he's a guy that could either replace Aaron Donald uh, in, you know, on the depth chart, not replace Mm -hmm. Aaron Donald. Right. But he's a guy that could maybe step in there or play next to Aaron Donald. Um, So those would be some of the guys who have maybe stood out. And then if the Rams had to go to another quarterback besides Matthew Stafford, which seems very possible, uh, they picked two-time national champion Stetson Bennett in the fourth Mm -hmm. round out of Georgia. uh, And um, I don't know 
how many more <laughs> championships he's going to quarterback. <laughs> uh, but he, yeah. but that's a, a, a notable player there as well. What are the odds you think he's? St- how many how many games do you think Stetson Bennett starts this year? Yeah, that's so uh, tough. You know, first he has to beat out Brett Rippon, um, the former Broncos and BYU quarterback, who the Rams added in free agency as just another option. I don't know exactly, you know, how separate those guys are because I mean Stetson Bennett, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know him even better than I do, uh, but was no NFL prospect two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a walk-on, transfer, transfer back to Georgia, not especially gifted with size or arm strength and just sort of, I think, impressed Rams coaches a lot in the pre-draft process with regards to, you know, sort of his uh, ability, uh, mental capacities of the game and uh, what he was able to orchestrate there when called upon there at Georgia. Uh, obviously him and Stafford, both Georgia quarterbacks, and so they've got that connection. But first he has to win the backup job, and then, you know, it's just all dependent upon where the Rams go with Matthew Stafford. I I still think you could look at the team. I mean, Les Snead is uh, the general manager. He's the same general manager, uh, I believe, who (coughs) traded Sam Bradford to the Vikings uh, when – Teddy Bridgewater, you know, got injured in the preseason. And so I I could look at it as a situation of saying maybe we get into, you know, late August, some major starter has been injured and the Rams think, okay, well, you know, we'll give you this opportunity. I know that Michael Lombardi is a person uh, uh, who's been out there on the airwaves telling people that the Rams – telling people since March that the Rams have been trying to trade Matthew Stafford. He's the only one really saying that, and a lot of people think that Michael Lombardi is a liar, which is fine. (laughs) Maybe he is, uh, I guess, or maybe he's getting bad information, or maybe it's true. But um, I still think that there's a possibility where you could be saying, and the team that I think about the most is the Falcons, honestly, because I'm just like, Arthur Blank wants he's the you know owner Arthur Blank wants to win really mm-hmm. soon. He's, they've made some additions this offseason on defense in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a ready-made offense, you know, they've got a good offensive line. They've picked Drake London and Kyle Pitts. They've picked Bijan Robinson. Like they're just ready to go. So what if you get two you know games into the preseason and Desmond Ritter's just like not the guy? You know, and then you say, is Arthur Blank at that point ready to say, come back to Georgia, uh, send the Rams a first round pick and and make something like that happen? Um, That's that's a name. That's a team that I that I think about with regards to to Matthew Stafford. And if I'm Matthew Stafford, you know, which offensive line do I want to play with? Which offensive coordinator and running back and and receivers and everything like that, because outside of Cooper Cup, you know, he's pretty much alone on the Rams, and he's 34, and, you know, what would it mean for him and his legacy and his resume if he won a Super Bowl with another team, you know? And uh, and he's just probably not going to do that on the Rams, and he might only have, you know, one or two or three more years left. So mm. it's possible Stetson Bennett plays the whole season. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Kenneth, this is why we do this podcast, because uh, I learned a lot about the Rams. Um, I'm going to be readjusting my NFC hierarchy <laughs> after talking to you uh, about the about the team. And it could go in a positive direction, like you mentioned, if all three of those guys stay healthy and they play well um, and you get some some more from the young players than, than you're expecting. Who knows what can happen? Teams like the, the Giants last year surprised everybody. There's always teams like that. Uh, but definitely it seems as though the team is in transition and they might be on the downslope right now. Read everything that you want to know about the Rams by going over to the Rams SB Nation site, Turf Show Times, and that's where you can find all of Kenneth Arthur's stuff. Ken, thanks for coming on Eye in the Enemy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully if uh, if anyone out there listening to this is a Rams fan, you know, leave my family alone. Don't come after <laughs> me. Uh, I swear to God, I'm just trying to be an objective person here. If Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, if he can have it, if he could get an average season out of this group, he's should, and he's not hired as a head coach next year. It's the biggest travesty in the history of the NFL. Because <laughs> I challenge anyone out there listening to this, if you don't believe me, name players on the Rams defense besides Aaron Donald. That's it. That's my only request. So thanks again for having me. Anytime. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again uh, to Kenneth for coming on the show. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a five-star rating and a review at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed for Apple Podcasts. I know you do that for uh, the NFC East mixtape all the time. I know that you do it for BGN Radio. Would love to get some thoughts and hear what you have to say about Eye on the Enemy, and we will continue to look at different teams in the NFCE as the summer rolls along, and you know maybe we'll look at a better team next time that actually has a chance to knock the Eagles out of the top spot in the conference uh learn my lesson do more homework uh before you make a declaration about a team you don't get to see all that often but that's why we do eye on the enemy so we can talk to people who cover this team cover those teams and learn more about them so i hope uh, i hope we learned a little bit of something here today because i know i sure did everybody thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time right here on eye on the enemy bgn More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.